This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's WCPTA 20, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. It's a joy to be with you today. It's a joy to be with you today. What are we talking about? We're talking about what's happening in Ohio, this environmental disaster, and it's also a political, um, it's a very tumultuous situation politically. Um, President Trump, for his portion, went down to uh, to Ohio to uh, to be in solidarity with these people whose whose town has has been poisoned. Uh, but it was the uh, it was a rollback of his administration that helped to make this possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the Obama administration tried to um, tried to. Uh, institute um, greater regulations on the train system and everybody it impacts all of us we are all but this could we could all be in east palestine ohio so we've got to talk about that today got to talk about it that that powerful 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 uh town hall meeting last night on cnn impacted me greatly because it could happen to all of us one third of our goods are moved in the united states by rail by train and yet we have a Civil War era breaking system on the train system. It has not been changed in 160 years. Who does that? And politically, President Biden went to, went to Ukraine before he went to East Palestine, Ohio. Remember, politics is a game of optics, everybody. You can't do those things. I mean, it, it makes <laughs> President Trump looked like the hero when it was his pushback or his advocacy for uh, corporatism that helped to get us into this mess. Well, it, it, the door was already open because now the Biden, Biden administration is siding with Norfolk, uh, uh, the Norfolk Railroad Company, uh, not allowing people to sue them. You can't make this stuff up. This is about corporatism, everybody. This is about the corporatocracy, not the democracy. Remember that. It is. Um, we've got a lot to talk about, everybody. I want you to get out here and vote. Everybody can vote in all 50 wards. We have an election for mayor on February 28th on Tuesday. Who have you chosen? I'm trying to get the last three candidates, so put it out there. I've reached out to Mayor uh, Mayor Lightfoot, Congressman uh and uh, Congressman Garcia, and I'm going to have uh, Commissioner Brandon Johnson. So I need to get a yes from Congressman Garcia, and I need to get a yes from the mayor. So there you have it. Putting it out there and let them know. I'm trying. I'm looking for them. I'm trying to get them on my show. So let's get right to it, everybody, and let's talk about what's happening in Ohio and, um, and what we would do should we uh, have to deal with that kind of emergency ourselves, because it could happen to anyone. In Chicago, we will have a high of 42 degrees today. Windy, though, windy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, you're in the midst of snowmageddon. As of about a couple of hours ago, they already had 10 inches of snow. They're expecting about two feet, up to two feet of snow. Wow. Winter storm warning, praying for the people of Minneapolis, St. Paul, and the 70 million who have been impacted by this weather emergency all over the country. The NHL, well, 
you know, the NBA still on that all-star break. That will end tomorrow night. In the NHL, Chicago 4, the Stars 3. The Wild will be playing the Blue Jackets tonight. So, everybody, I want you to call me at 773. 773- 763-9278-773-763-WCPT. And let's talk about, uh, did, did President Biden make a mistake by not going to uh, Ohio first? Hey, it's February 3rd, everybody. February 3rd. He's had some time to get down there. So I want you to call me at 773-763-9278-773-763-9278. Let me pivot to... Pastor Darius Brooks, Grace Central um, in Westchester, Illinois. They are serving food, could be serving you. And if you need something to eat, please go on and get there. That's right, Carol Sofkin. It is outrageous. It's outrageous. It's it's outrageous. It's outrageous. Outrageous what's happening there. Um, And when you see these people who cannot believe that this is happening to them, your heart breaks. But this happens all over the country all the time. So, Pastor Brooks, A, I'm glad to see you. Love you, love you, love you. Want to know how we can get to your church because a lot of people need food. They need um, they need help. A lot of people are struggling. And then you, of course, go on and give us the good news. Please, uh, Grace Central, uh, please, Auntie, I love you. Grace Central Church, 102.16 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois. That's right off of 290 and Mannheim every Tuesday from 5 till 7. And Wednesday for seniors from noon till 2. That's every Tuesday <clears throat> under God's sun. We're at Grace Central feeding eight different townships. And if you know anybody who wants food, please. And we ain't talking about no crackers and peanut butter and jelly either. We talk about two to three hundred dollars worth of food, eggs, milk, cheese, jiffy mix, hams, chicken, turkey, the whole nine. We are really doing this and serving of God's community and his people. Santita, I'm always excited about the word, and you are doing an amazing job. Keep yourself up, girl. You, we got work to do, and we got some lives to save, some people to, to set free, and mm-hmm. you're doing a great job on your show. Santita, Proverbs 18 and 1, I'm a well-balanced teacher at Grace Central Church, and ain't just all the good stuff God can do, but it's also the crazy stuff he used to get us off our butt. Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> Proverbs 18, 1 through 24. Track with me won't be with you long. Whoever isolate himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. When wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. Santita, I'm useful thought this morning. When I'm done convincing me. When I'm done convincing me. Santita, God, which is his word, in our direction already already have life's adventure approved, planned, and scripted. It's almost like three months ago, Santita, or a year ago, or even two years ago. You get my point? People didn't know or had a clue we'd be in the places that we're in right now. And wonderfully, if we're still standing, we've created a how to get over and through whatever was or is that concerns us. Because we know without a shadow of a doubt, because you don't or won't to isolate yourself from how God's direction comes into our life. 
we don't want to isolate ourselves from God by not seeking his judgment for our lives. Because you know in your heart that God doesn't fail. And when we really desire God's guidance and guidelines, we embrace the past failures. We, we, we embrace that past failures does not include us from even the future God's promised adventure. And that, on the contrary, God specializes in redeeming our failures while being faithful to him and in him being faithful to us. Santita, I'm about to get up out of here. Santita, I heard you talk about Ohio and corocracy, uh, not democracy. But when we trust God and humble ourselves and be obedient to God's word, we almost miss the crazy. Uh, yeah, the sacrifices that we go through that puts us in harm's way because he strengthens us. And where there is unity, there is strength. And he makes us available to boldly be strong in him and afford us the ability to share our stories so that others who have hit rock bottom with grace and God can still overcome any and all obstacles. So what is your broken place? What is my broken place? What's going on with us? Whatever it is, don't celebrate what's ungodly, wickedness, ill ambitions, and don't deprive your maturity in and through God's word. Mature yourself everything about you and God because your maturity is you using God's wisdom and it justifies and qualifies you always for your bubbling brooks. And Tita, I'm done with convincing myself. I done told God your will is what's best for me. And then closing, don't quit or wholeheartedly do God. They both hurt, but one is going to add up. <clears throat> Amen to that. Amen to that. Your will is what's best for me. I mean, it's true because we really think we've got it all figured out. But you know what they say, man plans, God laughs. I like that. Well, you know, I was reading this wonderful book. Bishop Henry Williamson gave it to me. Uh, What on earth am I here for? And he said, you know, God has given me the spirit of discernment, and I think I need to give this book to you. And he was absolutely right. And... The book put it this way, you know, um, you ask your friends for advice and you don't ask your creator for advice. You would never get a wonderful piece of equipment, a new television, a vacuum cleaner, a refrigerator. That's because everything's computerized now without reading the instruction manual, without asking the person or the entity that made it, can you help me work this out? And I think that's what I got from you today. You know, trust God, really, everybody. And I am mindful of the fact that everybody listening here does not believe in God. And I do not judge you for that. I just try to share with you the things that have gotten me through. I would not be here today. I know and that, for God. And so that's why you're here. That's why that book was so timely and it's very true. I often tell Grace Central, I am not God and I'm not playing him. He did not hear for me here to save the world. But right here in Grace Central and those in my life, Santita Jackson, family, friends, I am this is my world. I tell Grace Central, 
the word of God says, be in the world, but not of the world. You have to create your world in this world to be strengthened, to be able to be in here. We're supposed to be in here, but we're not supposed to be up here. And when we create our world, we become strengthened so that the world will not affect God's promises for us. That's how we do this thing. And that's why I said, where there's unity, there is strength. God is still there. He's still our Savior. And he said, a lot of unbelievers are not on here. And you are absolutely right. But this is your platform. You are a believer. I'm a believer. And like we said, we don't judge them. But if you're coming into my house, you know, just make sure you take your shoes off if I don't like stuff in my carpet. The Word of God says when you're in Rome, you do as the Romans. The Word is so crazy, amazing. I tell Grace Central often, stop paying attention to what God is doing and do what he told you to do because he'll send the right kind of person at the right time to do the right thing for you to accomplish the promises that God says. And then he'll give us strength with the world like your dad. All of, I was, I'll be with him today and looking at him every time I see him and everything he's been through. I'm not talking about the stuff that people judge him of. I'm talking about every good thing your father does or have done have made an impact on this world. You can't take that away from him. I don't care what you say. And when I see him and I'm in his presence, I look at the work that he's done, that he's thought, and everybody around him should take that mantle, utilize what he has given us, and finish this story and fight with the love of God. And God is a promise keeper. The end is already scripted, Santita. It really is. It's already scripted. All God has asked us to do that the steps we take, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Let's fight. Get together. Get the right people. And the only thing we're designed to do is stop the wicked. God God punishes the wicked. But our position is to stop them by standing for truth. And that's all God has to do. Amen. I mean, I have to tell you, that's how we have Dr. Knight and all. Now, that is what I saw when I was looking at the CNN town hall meeting. With these humble, working-class people, mostly poor working people, who were white, who were in uh, who were in Ohio, and they've had this ecological disaster, and it's a political disaster as well. You find that uh, that Governor DeWine's uh, campaign has received a lot of money from Norfolk Southern, the, the train company. You find that um, the residents were told by Norfolk Southern that uh, that the water was okay, but the testing company was was paid for. The testing was paid for by Norfolk Southern. Are you serious right now? Are you serious? And now the Biden administration is standing with uh, standing with Norfolk Southern so the people cannot sue them. Are you serious right now? Oh, no. Something's got to be done about this. This could be you next, you and me. And they told these people to go home. Go home. You can drink the water from the tap. Are you joking me? I wouldn't do it. I would not do it. But what else are they going to do? That's what's so horrible. Doctor, oh, no, see right there, Pastor, Dr. Shanina Knighton. I mean, I saw that town hall meeting last night on CNN, and I was just so moved. But I was also infuriated. I said, I'm looking at these people, and they're like in disbelief, and they know something is wrong, mm-hmm. Dr. Knighton. These last three minutes, they belong to you. They know something's wrong. <laughs> I agree, Santita. I'll be honest, like, it's so interesting because I watched last night, too, and I think the thing is that was just so bothersome was, oh, we'll get to it. 
that was the underlying theme, you know, of we'll get to it. And that was bothersome. Oh, I called two weeks ago. It happened. And it's like, oh, well, we're just making a plan. It's like, oh, well, yeah, we'll do this. And we're talking about a population of people that have had to deal with these problems now for about three weeks. And so the lack of urgency, because the CEO is not submerged in that setting, is disturbing. The fact that these people have real stories and they're expressing what's going on with their land, they're expressing the fact that even before this happened, their reliance on well water and not feeling comfortable with the well water and their and their existing systems for which they were processing the water. The fact that the company even is saying, well, we got to dig up the soil in that area. And we're going to do testing, and we'll do testing as long as it takes. It doesn't sound like a plan to me. That sounds like you're trying to tell me something to try to pacify me. And so I really empathize with those individuals yesterday because it still sends a message that all of us have faced even during this pandemic. And it's recognizing that we may not be saved when we need to be saved the most. And sometimes that's early in a crisis, that's early when something bad is happening. And so how do you go in and say to yourself, who's really going to rescue me? Or how do I become my own oxygen mask early on in something? Because I know that I'm not going to be somebody's immediate priority when it comes to such a crisis. And that's what this has shown us that's what the COVID-19 early when people couldn't get access to testing or they couldn't go inside of healthcare facilities despite their conditions. When we keep being in these situations, that's what these situations continue to tell us. And so we have to be more preventative. We have to think about if I'm in this situation, how do I protect myself and how do I protect others? opposed to thinking that someone's going to come in and give a timely rescue and don't come in and do the right thing. Well, you know, it's a critical pressure. We have to, Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman, the founder of Christ Universal Temple. Indeed, you remember Dr. Darius Brooks, Pastor Brooks. Uh, She really brought new thought to the black community. And she said, you know, it works when you work it. This country works when we work it. When we decide to move, the government moves. And the government moves in the direction of corporations, not because of lobbyists, but because of lobbyists are paid for by the corporation. Please take the word lobbyist out of your mouth. Because they're not the issue. It's the corporations. They're hired guns. They work for corporations that demand that the game favors them. Now, we must fight so that the game is balanced. Balanced. Think about that on the Santee Jackson Show. Call me at 773-763-9278. 773-763-WCPT. Let's work it out, everybody, on the Santee Jackson Show. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Oh, oh, oh. Gotta save the children, we can't wait. Let's change the 
Thursday, February 23rd, the Santita Jackson Show. Let's talk about what's happening in in Ohio with this train derailment, Norfolk Southern. Now, it happened February 3rd. Now you see uh, President Trump went down there, even though his administration overturned the regulations that the Obama administration tried to institute to make the railway safer. Look, how do you have a system that transports 30% of our goods, have a braking system that is from the Civil War era? That's in the 1850s and 1860s, y'all. That's 1860. That's 160 years ago. Who does that? We have not had, if we need infrastructure, and while we are giving all this money away to everybody else, you know we need it right here. And and I am not a right-winger. I am not a Republican. And I am so tired of the corporate media framing this discussion so that you believe that the only people who feel that, wait a minute, we need to ask some questions about all this money going to Ukraine and every place else. About half of the Pentagon's budget goes to military contractors. Are you serious? You have you have people who are serving the military who are going to get payday loans because they don't have enough money to get something to eat. So what is this about? And you need to be asking these questions because it's your money. Shabrani, you have a big event coming up on March 3rd, is it? Yes, Santita, we are having our annual gala for the Courtney Copeland Memorial Foundation on March 3rd, uh, 2023 at the JLM Community Center, 2622 West Jackson at 7 p.m. We're asking everyone to come out and support this great gala. We are going to have food, entertainment, as well as also we're going to be dancing. So it's going to be a great time, Santita. So you can uh, purchase a ticket at www.copelandmemorial.com. That's www.copelandmemorial.com. And the money raised is actually going to support our college to uh, scholarship fund. So please come and help us out and raise money for kids to go to school. So please visit www.copelandmemorial.com. Thank you so much, Santita. Amen. She's probably mid-rant today. I guess I'm all, I'm all wound up. Is, is Dr. Knighton still there? <laughs> oh, okay. It's unfortunate because, you know, she is from Cleveland, and um, East Palestine, Ohio, is only 85 miles from Cleveland. So this little mushroom cloud where they had to, you know, burn off these chemicals, that is over, that's, that's over to Cleveland, Pennsylvania, all of this. And we need to be concerned, very concerned, because people in that town, in that area, are sick. The state had to set up a clinic for them. And the people who populate the clinic don't know how to treat them. So they've had to go past the doctors, the physicians, and get toxicologists, people who study poison. They've been poisoned. 773-7639-278. We've got attorney C.K. Hopper. You know, I, you know, I want to know about a lawsuit. He's, oh, that's not going to restore people's lives. But let me go to you, Bryce Green. I mean, because this is corporate greed at its most naked. It's most naked. I mean, this is just unbelievable. Bryce Green. Right. Not only is it just corporate greed, it's also an instruction about how exactly our country operates, about what priorities our country has and who our country works for. Uh, Like you said, uh, the uh, administration 
several administrations have refused to implement the proper safety standards. Um, Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg, he's really uh, denied that he can do much about this issue. Um, but, of course, on the other hand, you have the Biden administration pouring millions and billions of dollars into other uh, other projects, things that, like war making, things like building more planes and more tanks and sending aid to fuel the proxy war in Ukraine. That's where our energy is going. And so uh, we all know uh, that Pete is visiting the residents in, uh, in East Palestine, and we all know how much he likes to imitate Obama. I mean, what does that remind you of? When Obama took the, the fake drink of water at Flint, Michigan, and assigned to the, all the people, that telling them that they're overreacting and that everything's fine, it's echoes of, uh, of these past administration's failures. And it's really difficult to see why, uh, why this is not the center of attention, why people don't compare uh, what we could be doing to what we are doing now. Uh, people don't understand that this is a, a consistent failure uh, based on the way that our country is operated. Mm, you know, do we have uh, David Swanson up, my board operator? I okay. Let me let me bring him up right now because I know he's got to take the kids to school. But of course, the rage against the war machine. Well, so much of our money is going to these wars. We don't even know why we're fighting them. We don't know what the point is, and there is no end in sight. I want you to talk to us because now President Biden is taking heat because President Trump, of all people, got to Ohio before he did. The optics on this are just mind-blowing. you got (laughs) President Biden in in Ukraine. This happened February 3rd. And you got President Trump getting off the plane, even though he stopped the, you know, the, the regulations that the Obama administration, they were trying to make some kind of headway. Talk to us, David Swanson. Well, the Obama administration was trying to do quite a number of things regarding brakes and speed limits and stronger cars on trains and labeling uh, dangerous trains uh, as high hazard flammable trains so that uh, local officials would know what was burning in these giant fires. Uh, And they backed off on almost everything because of corporate corruption. But they did put in place that that rule about electronic brakes, like let's not have civil war era brakes on these things. And Trump undid that. And Biden hasn't un-undid it. He hasn't put it back in place uh, for two years. Uh, And so Trump should be hiding in shame, not showing his face. Uh, And same for Biden. Biden, who stepped in and prevented a strike by the workers who wanted not just more money, but more staff and and sick leave, for God's sake. This was a almost two mile long train with a staff of two people and a trainee. Uh, you know, this no, no, say, no, say that again, David Swanson. I want people to understand there's almost 150 cars, 1.9 million, 1.9 miles long. Say that one more time. How many people on that train? Two staff people and one trainee for, you know, and not at the desire of the workers, not because it made any sense, but because it was profitable, which is likely the reason they, quote unquote, had to burn off carcinogenic chemicals and send them into the air, uh, into the community for hundreds of miles uh, because it was the quickest, most profitable thing for them to do. This has been their interest. Uh, And you have people like Pete Buttigieg 
Judge Edge claiming nothing can be done. Uh, well, you've got four giant companies using land they were given by the public uh, to rake in record profits as more or less monopolies. Uh, you have railroad workers who want the right to organize and negotiate and strike without government interference. Uh, some of these unions have demanded that the government nationalize uh, these freight trains, take them over, and give the, give the workers basic rights. Even though the government has done no good to them so far, they're so sick and tired of the power of these corporations that they'd rather see uh, the thing nationalized. Where do we go from here? I know you've got to take the kiddos to school, and we want to thank you for being with us today. But this is just, I mean, the optics on this. I can't believe that that President Biden is in Ukraine while President Trump is there. I mean, just the optics on that are just so bad. It, it, it really is. Uh, and we shouldn't be confused that he's doing some good in Ukraine, that he's helping Ukrainians rather than the people of Ohio and the United States. He's damaging Ukraine and the world. Uh, the money is going into war. And it's the kind of money, not just $100 billion in free weapons for Ukraine, but the trillion dollars a year into militarism across the globe uh, is the kind of money that could transform Ohio and the rest of the United States and the rest of the planet. Uh, if we took a fraction of it and put it to good use. So, you know, I don't care where Biden is I, unless he's willing to retire. But I but I think the money needs to be put into human and environmental needs. We need so we need the Congress to say whether Biden likes it or not. Let's move a little bit of money from the war machine uh, into upgrading this third world level infrastructure that the United States is struggling uh, to get by with. And, you know, they have national ownership of all the waterways and the highways, uh, why not the railways? And why not make them uh, modern railways? That you know, Why have these decrepit, falling apart rails? You have a thousand, you have over a thousand derailments every year in the United States. It's considered normal. Only some of them result in giant uh, fires of carcinogenic toxic chemicals, and, and most of them don't. Uh, but, you know, Pete Judith, Buttigieg could change the rule today. You have to you have to label all these trains. The local officials have to know what's in them. Uh, the, the White House and Congress today could put that that break rule back in place. Uh, the, the the White House could stop supporting the, this case court case uh, to block suits against these train corporations. Uh, and, you know, they could they could put in place all the improvements and upgrades and more that that the Obama team talked about and never did. Uh, they, they just they're just focused, as you say, on fighting wars. Just unbelievable. David Swanson, can you imagine a world beyond war? Wow. Everyone, how can we get in touch with you, David Swanson? Oh, davidswanson.org works. Uh, so does worldbeyondwar.org. Uh, and if you want to do something about the, these trains, uh, check out another place I work, rootsaction.org. That's right, Roots Action. Thank you so much, and my love to the family. Well, you know what? Let's, let's do a, Absolutely. Let's do a round robin. I mean, this is just, can you believe a? this train was 1.9 miles long. You have two professional staffers and one person who, a trainee. CK, that's criminal. 
Well, you know, so in December, Okay, no, wait a minute. TK, we can barely hear you. Do you have earbuds in? If you do, if everyone, if you have no. the earbuds, okay. No, I, I don't okay. have earbuds. Um, okay, very good. There's going to be a lot of litigation surrounding this, without a question. It's going to be, there's going to be civil litigation. There won't be a basis that will be put forth for any type of criminal charges against Norfolk Southern. That's just not what they're going to do. But there will be civil litigation because there have been dangerous chemicals that will undoubtedly and have impacted the community. And lawyers are probably having a field day right now. So there's going to be litigation to try to address this to get some redress for the family. The issue, and, and, and Norfolk Southern, they've got insurance, so the insurance will cover it, and there'll be another day. It's just the cost of doing business for them. But via executive order, the president could, you know, he can travel wherever he wants to travel. The optics are awful. And what Donald Trump is doing, he's just running for for, pres- for the presidency in 2024. That's all he's doing. And President Biden is running the country, but he's also running for president in 2024. So I think that the political machinery is going to continue with you know, people posturing to become president um, for the upcoming election because they're going to be here before we know it. But in terms of the people, the only redress they're going to get and have to pursue is going to be through the civil court, um, multi-district litigation. All the lawyers are going to get paid in a big way. And the people will get some type of redress for damages that are that can be proven and for the displacement and all that. That's what's going to happen. That's the movement from a legal standpoint. But I suggest that President Biden, via executive order, write this wrong. He can do that. He can pass executive orders. He can that, that could make a difference and that could help this community. And I hope that he's examining that. And I hope he plans on doing that because otherwise, this is going. This is as bad as Katrina. From my standpoint, it's as bad as whatever you. Right. Well, and, oh my gosh! And, but it's not being treated like Katrina. That's the thing that's really shocking. It's not being treated like Katrina. This is not a time for people to politically posture. It's a time to help the people in that community. They're really, really suffering. Really suffering, and it is like you said, Santita. It's going to spread to other parts of Ohio. What happens there in Pennsylvania and wait a minute, the Great Lakes region. See, the great the thing about the Great Lakes, Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie and Superior. You know, we learned home humanically. We it's one big lake. Everybody is divided into five parts, but it's one big lake. That's Chicago. That's Detroit. That's Buffalo. That's, that's everywhere. Buffalo. But, but, but Santita, you know, the kids don't learn geography today, so a lot of kids may not realize that. But it is a great place. It's going to have, an, I mean, this is drinking, these are lakes. So it's going to have, um, it's, this is an environmental crisis of the magnitude, or as you said, worse than Katrina. But it's not being treated that way. And it needs to be treated that way, because that's the only, that's the only way that there can be, in addition to litigation, which takes time, redress for the citizens who are experiencing this every single day. It has changed their lives. And these are people who don't have the money to simply relocate and then wait and figure out and try to this and that. They don't have the money to do that. So they're being disproportionately impacted. Sure. Sure. The 
uh, the lawyers, I'm sure, are descending. I, in fact, I know a few lawyers who are down there descending upon the area. I'm not being critical of that because redress, damages, however you can get it, you should get it if you're in that position. But they need the money quickly. They need to have this addressed yeah. quickly. An environmental. Well, you know, they need it as quickly as we give money to Ukraine, CK. Absolutely. As as quickly as we give money to the Pentagon. They don't even have to ask for more money. I mean, you've got Barbara Lee, who is trying to get $100 billion taken out of the Pentagon budget, which is enough to power all American homes with solar power. For example, we can hire millions of elementary school teachers. These are things we're not even thinking. Stay right there, CK. Let me go to you, Dr. Gibbs, professor of history. I mean, because, you know, when you talk about you, you and Bryce Green and I have had to fight against being called, you know, people who are, who are defending Putin. I'm like, I'm not going to defend an invasion, but I don't defend a CIA coup either that overtakes someone's country, which helped to prompt all of this in 2014. So help me. Because, I mean, to see the optics on seeing President Trump in Ohio while we got the president in in Ukraine was like, I, I said, who are you serious right now? This is crazy. Dr. Gibbs. Well, one of the things that is very clear is the extent to which uh, there's always been a political culture in the United States that's prioritized funding for warfare over everything else. Just one example of this. Uh, several months ago, the Biden administration proposed $33 billion for aid, including military aid to Ukraine. And Congress said that wasn't enough and upped it to $40 billion, just like that. Every Democrat, without exception, voted for the $40 billion. Um, in my lifetime, I've never heard of anything like that happening with a social program, or let's say the president goes to Congress and proposes a whopping $33 billion, let's say, education or health care. And then Congress ups it to $40 billion. That's not enough. $40 billion is what we need. Nothing like that has ever happened with a social program or ever will happen, probably, with a social program. But for warfare, for some reason, that's a privileged sector. It's seen as far more important than everything else. And one really has to question the logic of that, why warfare is so heavily prioritized in our political culture in this country. Um, and, um, you know, one of the things we're seeing here are things like uh, basic safety, basic environmental safety, the safety of communities in places like, let's say, East Palestine, Ohio, is, is of such low importance that it receives almost no attention at all, even after the catastrophe occurs. And that's just something very dramatic about our political priorities here. Um, and I, I guess one more point I did want to make is that, you know, the American public is generally speaking not enthusiastic about warfare, and they can be brought into the idea of war through appeals to an international crisis, sometimes manufactured in some cases or greatly exaggerated, uh, sometimes created by the United States. As you noted, the U.S. basically one of the triggers to the current war we're having is an American-supported coup in 2014 that took place in Ukraine. The public will go along with that for a brief period of time, but typically, in the past, what's happened is the public has gotten tired of it fairly quickly. We saw that with the war on terror. Um, after a couple of years, the public tired on the war on terror, and many of the people who supported George Bush's presidency and the war on terror more specifically uh, became very hostile to the whole idea and turned against it. I think you'll start seeing that now with the Ukraine war. People will start questioning whether we're spending far too much 
blowing things up in Ukraine. And maybe not enough spent to help people in places like, let's say, East Palestine, Ohio. I think that's going to come up fairly dramatically now in American politics. Hmm. I was wondering about that. I said, do you think, you know, Dr. Gibbs, do you think this might prompt a conversation about about war and peace? I mean, it's so ironic that this happened right on the heels of, well, no, in the midst of the Rage Against the War Machine um, rally. Um, as the so-called right and left. I'm like, this is not a right and left issue for me, a war and peace. And neither is what's happening in in East Palestine, Ohio. In fact, they overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly voted for President Trump because they thought yeah. President Trump, Citizen Trump, was going to go to Washington and and fight for them. That's why they voted mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. So some people, some of, some of them have white supremacist inclinations. Don't put that all, that's not fair. People approach, people vote for folks for a whole host of reasons. A whole host of reasons, Dr. Gibbs. And they voted for President Trump. And you saw the mayor of East Palestine standing behind former President Trump yesterday. And he said, I feel like President Biden slapped me in the face. Oh, my gosh. I mean, my heart just broke for them. But I was like, how how are y'all so tone deaf? And Pete Buttigieg, where are you? What you doing? Yeah. I agree. I mean, one of the things you see in is, uh, you know, the people of East Palestine, Ohio, have been uh, betrayed by both Trump and Biden. I mean, Trump, of course, he's the one who loosened the regulations on safety that made this possible. And then Biden and Pete Buttigieg didn't re- reestablish them. And then after the disaster occurred, they pretty much ignored it. Uh, you know, as we know, Biden went, went off to this uh, sort of campaign style tour of Ukraine rather than going to Ohio. And, uh, you know, that's a very dramatic statement of where his priorities really are. And I, I think it's, you know, I think you will start to see the rise of opposition to the U.S. policy in Ukraine from the public. The, the barriers to an anti-war movement will be formidable because I've never seen in my lifetime um, the extent to which the press has been united behind war in lockstep with a propagandistic tone that's extraordinary and uniform. And where the Democratic Party, at least so far, has been in absolute lockstep with no dissent allowed whatsoever. Um, I've never seen that before, not to this extent. Uh, Even during the war on terror, it wasn't this bad. And so I think that will be an impediment to getting any anti-war discussion going. But it will get going all the same because this is a country where people do vote. This is a country where, despite all the imperfections and corruptions of the political system, votes do matter at some point. And I, I think this is going to basically become a major political liability for the Biden administration, the whole war in Ukraine. And I think people start to ask questions about how did the war start? What was the U.S. role in provoking the war? How did the U.S. conduct itself in things like almost certainly blowing up the Nord Stream pipelines, which we have increasing evidence that it almost certainly was the United States that was behind that explosion? I think people will start to begin to start asking these questions and they'll start demanding answers. You know, I mean, and they want to know where is the money? Where is the money, Bryce Green, before we go to break? I hope you all can stay with us for a while. Where is the money? They want to know where the money is. But more than that, I heard this man say, I'm 65 years old. This was, I, I want to retire. He said, you've taken that from me. He was speaking to the CEO of Norfolk Southern. He said, you've taken that from me. Now I don't know if I'm going to be sick. He said, I mean, I'm, I'm diabetic. I've got health issues. And now you give me this? 
and no one wants to talk about it. The corporate media has tried to bury the story. This happened February 3rd, everybody. February 3rd. And you want to get hyped up about something that happened that is happening overseas. Hey, I think that I think that you should fight autocracy. But I didn't see anyone getting this ruffled up about South Africa, CK, when when you were in law school and I was in college. And I got arrested at the South African Embassy in Washington, D.C. Remember, while Nelson Mandela was president of the Republic of South Africa, he was considered to be a terrorist by the United States government through his presidency. So don't come to me with all of this. I want to know what your standards are. And I want to know what you're going to do for the people of East Palestine, Ohio, and all the way around, and in Pennsylvania, and every place else, and if it hits Chicago, and Detroit, and Buffalo. Back with more of the San Peter Jackson show in just a minute. We can change the world, change the world, change the world. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. It's Thursday, February 23rd. The Santita Jackson Show. Santita Jackson Show. WCPTA 20, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. Go to PF. Fight the conversation. AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota, sending you all much love. You all have snowmageddon 10 inches already. That was three hours ago. Oh, you might even get two feet of snow. Unbelievable. 70 million people are under a winter storm advisory in the United States. God bless you all, particularly our AM 950 Radio family, Chad and Gary Hines and all my folks, Robert McAfee, Spike, all of you, sending you much love today. Whew. We're talking about what's happening with this Norfolk Southern train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, just about 85 miles away from Cleveland. Uh, this is really, really bad. And what's also is that you see all of these institutions that are exalted in our society, corporate media, government, all of them, they have really tried to bury this story. And yet, truth cross to the earth is going to rise. Think about that, everybody. A train 1.9 miles long, you have two full-time employees and a trainee. Are you serious? Yeah, Mark, I hear you, and I meant it. Past 40, you can't see 1.9 miles down the road. How are you going to drive something that's 1.9 miles long that's hooked up train to train to train? That is insane. 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 Just greedy. Greedy. And how are you going to take care of these people? And how can you compensate people for life? we got a lot to talk about today on the San Peter Jackson Show. So I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. Let's talk about it because of all people, President Trump went down there. After he overturned the regulations that the Obama, that the Obama administration tried to institute to make these trains safer. We still have a, a braking system in, in our train system in the United States that is from the Civil War area. That's an era. That's 160 years ago, everybody. So while we're rebuilding all these other countries, we need to rebuild our own. Label that what you will. That's what we need to do. In Chicago, we have a high of 42 degrees. It will be windy today, and it's foggy because of the, whole, the cold and the warm air meeting. What is that going to mean for us? Minneapolis, St. Paul, 19 degrees. You are in the midst of that winter storm. Praying for you, everybody. It is still snowing. It's been snowing for three days in Chicago. 
we will the NHL. Well, we have to follow them because the NBA is still on all-star break until tomorrow. Chicago 4 last night at the Stars 3. The Wild will be playing the Blue Jackets tonight. And everybody, 70 million Americans are living under a winter weather advisory. Let us pray for everybody. Let us pray for everybody. And let's talk about what's happening in Ohio, a story that the corporate media have tried to bury, but they can't bury it. They can't, and we should not allow that. Everybody, I want you to know we're talking about financial freedom, financial freedom. Uh, if you are a first-time home buyer, Team Hawkbrook has some information for you. You have not owned a home within the past three years. That means you're a first-time home buyer if you try to buy a home now. So you need to call Team Hawkbrook, your trusted local lender. First-time home buyers made up just 26% of home buyers last year, down from 34% the year before. It's the lowest number of home buyers in over 40 years. So Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac want to turn these numbers around by by investing in first-time home buyers with substantially lower rates. If you have, or if you live in the Chicago area, and if you earn less than 105000 dollars seven hundred one hundred five thousand seven hundred dollars a year and that's most people and you have not owned a home within the past three years now everybody that's critical call team hockberg today to see if you qualify for these amazingly low interest rates and you need to do it right away because these conditions could change at any time so you can't make this stuff up please everybody the special offer this can change at any time so do, follow what Fred, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are doing. They're trying to give you a break. They're trying to make you a homeowner, everybody. Don't miss this opportunity to, to, to score some low rates on your mortgages. To see if you, your kids, or grandkids qualify for these amazingly low rates, please call Team Hochberg at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or 855-56-3283. 855-563-2843, everybody, or go to 56david.com and get some more information. Go on, everybody, hurry up and make that happen. So we've got a tremendous uh, tremendous group of people today who, with us. We've got history professor from the University of Arizona, Dr. David Gibbs. We've got attorney C.K. Hoffler, uh, past president of the National Bar Association, the largest and oldest black bar association in the world. And we have got Attorney Daryl Jones, Chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition, Mel Buer, who's so excited from the Real News Network Associate Editor there. And um, it's just, I cannot wait to hear, uh, to get feedback from all of you today, because we need to talk about what's happening in Ohio. We just said goodbye to Bryce Green. We had uh, David Swanson on. We need to talk about this. Before we bring on Mel Buer, I want to find out from you, Attorney Daryl Jones, Chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition, when you hear this story, we were talking during the break about um, the fears that people have about getting sick, and people are already sick. The state of Ohio, everybody, opened up a health clinic because so many people were complaining about getting sick. Well, they were reporting, not complaining, they were reporting that they're sick. But guess what, Daryl? The people got to the clinic and they were so sick that the physicians didn't know what to do. So they had to call in toxicologists, you know, people who study poison, to look to study them. That's what we're dealing with right now. Daryl? No, you're, you're absolutely right, Antita, and, and right on point as usual. Look, if you're in East Palestine, Ohio, and you have this 
accident that occurs in, in these uh, chemicals, uh, these chlorides that are being released, not only into the air, but also into the water supply, into the food supply. Everything is contaminated. On top of all of that, you know, you hear about the potential that there could be, have been an explosion, so they're going to burn uh, to, to release more toxics into the air. If you're living in East Palestine, uh, Ohio, and you're an expecting mother, what are you going to do? Your, your, your level of fear is out of the roof. If you're an elderly person who, who's having respiratory issues, your fear is out of the roof. You know, there are only 5,000 people that live in East Palestine, uh, Ohio. But what folks have to remember is that this isn't limited to that geographical area where this uh, uh, where this uh, uh, um incident has occurred 40 miles outside, which is not very far, 40 miles outside of East Palestine, you get into Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you know, 20 miles, you get into Youngstown, Ohio. So it it is a huge incident of what has occurred there in East Palestine, uh, Ohio. What really raises concerns, and we understand that, you know, the president has called all over the place for for his attention, but it's, 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 you know, as we said earlier, and as you said earlier, it's horrible optics for the president to take a trip and stand for the uh, citizens of Ukraine while he cannot stand for the U.S. residents who are frightened there in East Palestine, Ohio. It's horrible optics. Horrible optics. You got to take care of home first. And that's where the uh, focus has got to be. And, you know, the, the, the delayed response, all the talk about holding people responsible. Let me tell you, folks in East Palestine, Ohio right now, they're not uh, their concern is about holding people responsible. But right now, their concern is, am I safe? Is my child safe? Is my family safe? What can I do? What must be done? I, it, it's the fear of the unknown that's existing right there right now, uh, Santita. And, and that is what we're grappling with uh, at this point in time. And you know, as I go to the callers, and as we bring up Mel Buer, the reason I'm talking about this today in the midst of our in the midst of our election in Chicago, all these things are happening right now. You're seeing how government works. We should be concerned about this because this could be us, and we share the Great Lakes. All five Great Lakes is one body of water. They just have different tributaries that send them to different places. This will impact us. It's going to impact a lot of people. It's not just it's not it's not just Ohio. It's not just the border of Pennsylvania. This is a lot of people, and the way they're treating them is the way they will treat us. We've got a lead water problem in Chicago right now. How many be replaced? We've replaced four hundred. Are you serious right now? Mm. Let me go to Ann. Ann, what's on your mind today? Uh. Uh, this is what I want to say is uh, what they're doing is wrong because we need our money in our own country. It's time to help our people. We don't want our people to be left out. It's time for us to start helping our people. That's dangerous. That's going to take a lot of money to find out, get that gas and stuff that can come in the air. You know, so it's time for them to start helping our people, whether it's Democrat, Republican, or even liberal. It's time for them to come together and figure out this because they cannot short their own country. 
Ma'am, I hear you. Miss Ann, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. You got to take care of the United States. You've got to. You've got to. That's only fair. Sending you much love today. Thank you so much for calling in. She said, well, I can't take it anymore. Is it Adelaide? I want to make sure I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Correct me if I'm, in, if I'm wrong. Francis Ann Perkins. Can you hear me? Okay, now I can hear you. Oh, okay. Okay, I, I turned the speaker off maybe uh, so, you know, you could hear me better. Um, what I was calling about is I heard that the mayor of East Palestine, Ohio, uh, uh, refused the, uh, President Obama's, I mean, uh, President Biden coming. Did you hear that? Me, no, ma'am, I didn't hear that at all. Yeah, well, I heard it. and no, that, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean it wasn't true. I think... People are reading a lot into the fact that former President Trump went there and he stood with him and that he did say that he felt that President Biden insulted them. He said, I feel like they slapped us in the face when he went to Ukraine before he came here. This happened February 3rd. That having been said, he's walked some of that back. I'm sure people have come in on him and they told him you shouldn't say that about the president. But I think he should say what he what's on his mind. I think we need to be respectful. You know, we don't have strings and queens here. Excuse me. Did he say that he was partially to blame because uh, he was, uh, you know, destroying everything that Obama had done? And that included, you know, uh, um, the, the fact that he did what he did to help cause this accident. Um, but I really wonder if President Biden, uh, if they refused him to come because they voted for Trump. So, you know, we, some, we sometimes don't know. Uh, you know, all the details of things, but I, you I know, don't, you know, because they want Pete, uh, they, no, yeah, but they want Pete Buttigieg to come. They want help now, because at the end of the day, it would mean a lot. It, optically, it is not a good thing for the president not to be there. Usually, the president of people, they don't want him there. You know what, if they don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't, know, but leadership, but ma'am, no. With leadership, and I've seen Reverend Jackson do this all of my life. He's gone to places where people don't like him. But because they needed him, he shows up, and the president should do no less. That's it. Otherwise, you don't deserve to be in the space. You shouldn't be president if you're not going to serve everybody, even when they don't like you. Mel Viewer, how you doing? Doing great. How are you? Oh, you're walking into, oh, we got a, <laughs> I've got a whole host of people around here who, who can ask you a lot of questions. You've got the former president of the National Bar Association, Attorney C.K. Hopper. She's a legal analyst on, him, on, excuse me, on Court TV. She's also chair of Rainbow Push. And um, the NBA is one of the largest. It's a, it is the largest black bar association in the world. You've got Dr. David Gibbs, history professor, um, University of Arizona. You have got Attorney Daryl Jones, brilliant attorney, uh, from who's the chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition. Um, but you need to help us to understand what we're seeing. You got a train 1.9 miles long, uh, two full-time employees on it, and a trainee. Uh, this just sounds crazy. And then you've got the president in Ukraine, 
And President Trump, who overturned, I mean, who gave us some of the, uh, who deregulated, further deregulated, uh, the, this, uh, the railway system that President Obama was trying to bring into maybe the end of the 19th century. The <laughs> breaking since hasn't been changed in 160 years. You got the floor, Mel Buer. Um, I mean, you're going to give us the real news, and I love it. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back on. Um, you know, uh, I think the big thing to underscore about this derailment um, and sort of the literal and, and figurative fallout that has come from the last couple of weeks is, you know, rail workers have been kind of um, over the last many years have been sort of warning that this kind of derailment would happen. Um, and indeed, it has happened in the past. Um, and subsequent administrations from Obama to, to Trump to Biden have either dragged their feet on regulating the rail industry or actively, you know, taken an active role in, in deregulating the industry um, to the detriment and uh, of public safety, really. And um, rail workers have been fighting for quite some time to um, institute mandatory minimums for train crew staffing to shorten the lengths of trains to really call attention to what the rail industry has called precision scheduled railroading, which is essentially creating skeleton crews, staffing cuts uh, in service of profit. Um, and Norfolk Southern has made billions of dollars every year, year after year, uh, in profit, not even just income, profit, right? So they drag their feet and hem and haw about how, uh, you know, more staffing and hiring better people or more people and, you know, um, reducing these sort of safety incidents through better inspectors or inspections and, and technology. It's too much money that they get to pay. But they will do stock buybacks for their CEO or their biggest shareholders, right? Um, so, you know, make it make sense. It doesn't make sense. And I think, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, it took a disaster of this gravity magnitude um, for folks to really start to put pressure on the rail carriers like Norfolk Southern um, to have it, give us answers, you know, because uh, this shouldn't be happening with such frequency. I mean, it's a thousand derailments here in the United States. What is, how is it that we have a breaking system from the Civil War era? I mean, how, how, how does that happen? I mean, and we talk about the so-called global, so-called third world nations, the global south. I'm like, are you serious? Have you been to, had anyone been to LaGuardia Airport until they built a new, uh, as, as they've been building a new one? They, I mean, it was tape in the bathroom trying to keep things together. Are you serious? The, the inattention to our infrastructure, Mel Buer, is just is mind boggling and it's so dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, the braking systems are just one piece of it. Uh, you know, you could, I think a lot of, of folks on the rails would say that the, the braking systems are adequate and, and, and do their job for shorter, heavy trains, right? It, it becomes a problem when you have trains that are 150 cars long that are carrying, you know, sort of mixed materials. Some of them hazmat, some of it not, right? Um, and when you have these dangerous chemicals and you have, God forbid, a derailment that happens for a number of different reasons. Um, but it seems to be that a lot of them come from 
mismanaged uh, track maintenance because there's just not enough people to pay attention to it or they haven't done the required maintenance on the train train cars themselves, right? Um, it becomes a problem. And uh, this deregulation was trying to target that problem exactly as it relates to hazardous materials on these trains. Having newer braking systems uh, would, according to many experts, have reduced the severity of the derailment, may have made it less catastrophic, right? Um, but you have to remember that, you know, the NTSB's current working theory is that a wheel bearing failed um, and had been failing for something like 20 miles before the train derailed, right? Um, and there were derailments uh, in the last couple of years where folks on the trains, inspectors at the yards, had called attention to the fact that these uh, wheel bearings were failing. And, uh, you know, the rail carrier said, carry on, you know, and what happens? The train derails, right? So, you know, better inspections and more attentiveness by the rail industry um, through regulation and the threat of consequences for not being attentive is something that I think a lot of rail workers would welcome, you know. You know, I'm just trying to figure out how we, well, how we get out of this. Um, Mel, I've got a minute before we go to break, but, you know, I hope you can stay with me for, for a while longer because this is just, um, Janet Sherwood-Suffin said, you know, she thanks us, thanks you for the useful information, but she said, why can't America build better levees, too? I mean, and the thing is, you know what, Ms. Sussman, Mrs. Sussman, we can do all these things. We have the money, but we misappropriate our funds. We're spending money making money for a few people. And this is our money. Our money. Think about that. Taxpayer dollars. Half the Pentagon budget goes to private contractors who are paid millions upon millions of dollars. They don't even spread this to the enlistees. There are payday loan stations on the edges of bases all over the country because... Our, the people who enlist in our armed forces, they don't make enough money to feed their families or themselves. That's shameful. And it's got to stop before I see some more planes flying over me at the NFL games. You can't just miss me with all of that. Because you don't care about these people. And you don't care about the people of Ohio. And Flint. And Chicago. And Jackson, Mississippi. How can you say you love America and you don't like Americans? Are you serious right now? This is the Santita Jackson Show. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Thursday, February 23rd. Hope you're getting out to vote in Chicago. February 28th. Tuesday is the last day to vote. We could have a new mayor. Certainly we will find out if no one gets 50% plus one, who will be in the runoff? Who will be the top two candidates? 
I wonder who, I wonder who. I want you to get out and vote, everybody. Get out and vote. And, of course, we're going to have wall-to-wall coverage here on WCPT. 820 cannot wait for that to happen on Tuesday night. All right, everybody, we have got Mel Buell from the Real News Network, and we have got Attorney Hugh A. Hoffer, uh, Court TV legal analyst, Chair of Rainbow Push, former president of the National Bar Association, the chair of the Transformative Justice Coalition, Attorney Daryl Jones, and we will be bringing up uh, economists, real economists, who's with us every Thursday at this time, Dr. Maxwell. But let me just ask you this, uh, Mel, pure. What? How? What? Uh, what are we not being told? I mean, because it, the the corporate media have really sought to not really focus on this story. You know, I guess they were hoping it was going to go away. All the dead fish and people's animals dying and whatnot, pets, people getting sick. I don't know how they thought that was going to happen, but okay, I'll take it. What's What's not being told? What, what are we What are we missing here? Well, you know, uh, you can kind of, you know, I've been asked this question over the last a couple of weeks about uh, corporate media sort of lagging behind um, uh, very extensive coverage from local media since the derailment. Um, the derailment has been catastrophic from the beginning, you know, and local media in Ohio and near the village of East Palestine have really kind of uh, been covering this quite a bit. Um, the big problem is that... Um, Corporate media sort of operates under um, a sort of mandate, I suppose you could say. Um, and it's, um, you know, if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't leak, right? At the time when the derailment happened, you have to remember the, the, the sort of running commentary about these derailments is that they're common. They happen all the time. You know, there's this, you know, upwards of 1,000 to 1,500 derailments a year. So what makes this one newsworthy, right? It isn't until you have these, uh, dramatic um, images coming out of East Palestine after they burnt off these chemicals, that suddenly the, the, the sort of corporate national media starts to pay attention. Um, and that's just a, a, a fact of how they, they work, right, how they operate. Um, what we're seeing now is that, uh, as usual, most media outlets will point towards these agencies uh, uh, that... Uh, present a level of quote unquote authority, right? Um, and we see this with with police reports all the time, right? Um, and so, <clears throat> what we're missing here, uh, not because of um, really just because this is kind of how our media ecosystem operates, but what we're really missing here is a continued sort of uh, focus on the actual people who are affected by this disaster and. Uh, you know, the workers who have been calling attention to uh, the threat of this kind of derailment um, for years. <clears throat> and, you know, it's anecdotal and it's difficult sometimes for uh, folks to really kind of zero in on that um, simply for the fact that, um, you know, communities are often overlooked um, when it comes to these kinds of big events. Um, but the reality is that there are local and independent journalists like myself and like many others who are paying attention to um, and listening to what locals in the village of East Palestine are saying about uh, the effects of the chemical burnoff. We're, li- we're trying to call attention to and listen to um, the workers who have uh, understandably been frustrated by, you know, an administration who is uh, who has 
over the last year completely ignored concerns, right? Um, it's only because of this public outrage in the aftermath of this that we are actually seeing movement at the federal or state level. Um, in you know, uh, it remains to be seen if that's a meaningful sort of movement, but at least they're saying something and they're trying to pay attention to it now, you know. Oh, there's no question. I mean, because it is the outrage of the people. It is uh, the fear of a movement of the people that has people uh, moving. Now, you know, Secretary Buttigieg, I think he's going to be going there. Should have been there weeks ago, but I'm glad he's going now. You know, but this happened February 3rd now. February 3rd. It's almost been a month. March is upon us. Why did it take this long? You know, I don't have a, I don't really have an answer for you. You know, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, the the sort of if we want to talk about Pete Buttigieg's belated response, um, that was from public pressure and, and a lot of independent outlets drawing attention to the fact that the Department of Transportation and the regulators who uh, uh, um, get their sort of direction from uh, the Secretary of Transportation and the lawmakers themselves have, uh, you know, been subject to some pretty intense lobbying by the railroad industry in the last 10, 15 years. We're talking in 2022, the railroad industry, which is not just the seven class one freight rail carriers like Norfolk Southern or BNSF, right, um, but also individuals who maintain, you know, freight cars or build freight cars or lobbying arms like the American Association of Railroads, which is a sort of uh, um, voluntary, almost oligarchical uh, association of the, the railroads, right? They've been pumping money into Washington for a long time. It's the reason why the Obama era regulations were not as stringent as they were originally proposed. It's the reason why the Trump administration, <clears throat> pardon me, gleefully rolled back these regulations. And it's likely the reason why uh, the Biden administration has dragged its feet on reinstating these regulations. Millions and millions of dollars in lobbying money goes into uh, Washington every year to make sure that the rail carriers who, again, make billions, billions with a B, right, dollars of profit every year, they make sure that they can continue to make that profit at the expense of communities like East Palestine and at the expense of the workers who work on these railroads, you know. Um, and I think the biggest thing that really kind of hammer home here is that we're going to, a lot of folks are trying to point the fingers at uh, one institution or another. Um, and it's, what it comes down to is it's a series of failures um, really kind of brought about by the railroad industry's quest for um, unreal profit, you know, um, truly at the expense of everyone involved, except for the ones who are, you know, signing the checks for their shareholders and pocketing that money themselves. Dr. Maxwell, you got to help me with this. Economics, that's your, that's your wheelhouse. I mean, these companies are making pure profit. They are, they are not investing in modernizing the railway, in modernizing their operating systems. They are, they are trying to pay fewer and fewer people less and less to operate these trains. That train was 1.9 miles long. Look, anyone who's past 40, and just about everybody here is, you 
can't see 1.9 miles down the road. Went home drive, a train. That's, that, it's just crazy. And then the optics of the president being in Ukraine, playing support Ukraine, absolutely. But this happened February 3rd. And you expect not to get heat for that? And then you have someone who helped him roll back the regulations of your previous administration, of the previous administration, of which you were the second, the second top officer. He's getting the limelight. He's getting some credit. Former President Trump. Oh, wow. I don't even know where to begin. You tell me, what are we looking at in Ohio? Well, yeah. part of what you might be looking at, though, is that if the people in this town and county have voted for the people who cost them their jobs, cost them their unions, and rolled back their safety provisions, there isn't much reason for an elected official to fight with powered, moneyed interest in order to not be supported by these people in the polls. Right? So, like, there is a little bit of a problem with that, right? So, in other words, if this community is going out and voting for the people who are most likely devastating their industrial jobs or moving them offshore or making it easier or deregulating the safety restrictions and allowing a two-mile train or not requiring a more sort of robust definition of what the hazardous cargo, because all those things seem to, to be very much in play in this story, then you're asking a politician to be voted out by these people who they would be protecting while being defunded by the companies who give them money. And especially if you're in the House of Representatives, your primary job is to raise money for your next election. Your secondary job is to represent your constituents because Citizens United consecrated that under law. And this isn't to be flippant or be inventive, but if you set up that system that way, this is the outcome. So where do you see all of this going? I mean, I think that it's a teachable moment. I'm hoping that we can... I mean, that things can get right. I mean, I, I'm mindful of the fact that the people that the railroad company sent in to, to, to clean up the mess, they still don't have paid leave, paid sick leave. I mean, this is a, it's a sick system that is unsustainable. You cannot treat workers this way. You cannot function with a system that's 160 years old. When people all over the world, Max, you know, we travel all the time. People have all over the world, they have new train systems. I mean, you know how antiquated our system is. This is unsustainable. And we also rely on it, so... The rails are very important. They actually have a sort of new lease on life as a transportation because they're so much more efficient from a climate change perspective. And I also think, again, not to belittle this incident, which is major, but also generally speaking, the rails are often a safer way to move hazardous materials around than trucking, which is often how we do it with just a truck on the highway, right? And so there's a lot to be said for rail, particularly a modernized rail and a properly regulated rail. And we're missing some of that modernization and some of that proper regulation for sure. And this is certainly a highlighting of that, right? But I think we're also at an inflection point in the country where the idea historically has largely been that the business of America is business, and you don't stand in the way, and that there are pains that are suffered for the greater good and for the prosperity. And I think that was probably overdone at all moments historically, but people don't believe they're going to have a chance at that prosperity. They don't believe it's for them. They don't see it for their kids. And so being quiet for it and putting up with the, the, the bangs and the bruises and the disappointments 
for a prosperity you don't think you're going to get or to follow a set of rules you don't think you'll be rewarded for following is what's fraying, right? It's fraying substantially. And there may be benefits to the fact that it's fraying, but it's fraying, right? I think this story is a story that it is kind of interesting that it got big because we have other incidents like this and we have sometimes really not properly paid attention to them. So this is, it should be anomalous, but it's not actually. Not paying attention to the industrial costs and the issues with deregulation is pretty normal, right? I mean, we fired all the professional air traffic controllers and then mysteriously had a whole bunch of airplane crashes, which we never connected to that. Right? And basically, for-profit advertising tells Americans what to eat and everybody has hypertension and obesity and diabetes. And we never seem to be able to connect those things. Right? So like, we, we do have a problem here that extends to our pharmaceutical drugs, to our food, to our education system, to our retirement programs, right? All of which have some kind of a derailment issue periodically. And I think we're just in one of these periods when an old way of handling things, or which probably didn't work for the majority of people, gives way to an, you know, some proposals about new ways to handle things. And there's the opportunity for things to get better and the possibility for things to get worse but at least things are being discussed, right? So I think as much as this should have gotten more attention, you could also be somewhat interested that it got as much attention as it did. Now, unfortunately, a lot of that attention was the people who got the EPA and think it should be shut down, screaming, I didn't have more authority here to take a shot at Biden or the Biden administration sort of championing themselves as less worse than their alternative, which may be not the most optimistic moment we've had as a country, but at least we're discussing it. Well, at least we are discussing it. I mean, I'm going to do a round robin because I want to end back up with Dr. Wolf and Mel Buer. I mean, what's next, CK, in a couple of minutes? What is next? <laughs> well, Santita, what's next is litigation. Um, I hate to put it that way. And the litigation would go against really not just the private sector, but also the public sector. So the Department of Transportation, just like it would go against Norfolk Southern. And that's the only way that from a civil standpoint, talk about civil litigation, that the individuals will be able to get redress. I think that's going to happen. If you think about Ohio, I did do some research. Ohio, immediately after Roe versus Wade was, was overturned, it, the legislation that was draconian that basically bans abortions um, was outlawed, was outlawed, and um, and that became the law. So after six weeks, if there's a woman because of the exposure to these chemicals that needs medical intervention, then she may not be able to get it legally in Ohio. We just need to think about that, ponder that. I think that's very important. So litigation is what's going to happen, Santita. Mm-hmm. And and that is that is the beginning, you know. But I think about all of these people, uh, Daryl Jones. I, I think that we would not be seeing this story. We would not be talking about it if street heat didn't meet sweet heat. You know, litigation is is so important. You know, but you need the NAACP and you need SCLC and you need Push and you need NAN. You need it all. But I mean, there's nothing like. Um, Turn to Daryl Jones of people who look like they're about to march and get you out of office. I mean, I wish we'd take lobbyists out of this conversation because it's not the lobbyists, everybody. Lobbyists are hired guns. 
They work for the corporations. It's the corporations who are running this place. Daryl Jones, a couple minutes for you. I'm Santita, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's the street heat that has brought this to the forefront, and it's the working people. You know, one of the things that sometimes people miss, right, is that President Biden ran as being an environmental president, that he gets, you know, there's this overwhelming environmental concern. Pete Buttigieg, uh, the, the secretary, also ran on this environmental issue. Well, here is the challenge to the environment there in, in, in uh, East Palestine, Ohio, dealing directly with those issues, dealing directly where corporate interest meets the environment. That's the intersection where we are right now. And what the citizens have got to do and, and, and what we must be certain of is that it's moments like this that, that determine the accountability of our elected officials. Do they stand for what they told us they stand for? If you stand with the environment, if you stand with the working people, then you'll be standing with the people that are in East Palestine, Ohio. Let me tell you, you got to remember, and I would love to hear Dr. Wolf's take on it, but you got to remember that a lot of the railroads and, and critical infrastructure that are through this nation generally go through communities that have little say about their potential safety conditions. They're generally going through communities of least resistance. They're generally trying to go through poor communities. So the question is, right now, this is the time to stand up as an elected official and show where you stand in moments like this. And if you're standing in Ukraine when people are are, are, are laying out afraid in your homeland here in the United States, that ain't a good look. That ain't a good picture. But right now, we need to know where they stand. And as you said, as you as we watched there, their telecom hall uh, last night in uh, in East Palestine, we could see the fear, we could hear the anger. And the question is now, how do you respond? And that's where we are at this moment. If they have the opportunity that's been presented to them to stand where they said they were going to stand at issues and circumstances like this, question now is, will they do it, Santita? That's the question. That is the question. Mel Buell, what should we be looking out for? Because now, because of this street heat, um, I mean, when I saw the town hall meeting last night on CNN, I said, oh, they're feeling something. I mean, this didn't just happen in a vacuum. This was not done altruistically. They know that they've got written because no one trusts corporate media. <laughs> Either Real News Network, one of my favorite outlets, and you are one of my favorite reporters. No one does better reporting on labor and laborers than you. What's next? Uh, well, certainly uh, keep looking out for what the workers are trying to do in organizing reforms from then, right? Um, there are uh, sort of um, cross-crafts labor um, organizations that there's 13 different unions that work on the railroads and there are members of each of those 13 unions who are working in a sort of caucus together to push messaging about reform both at the legislative level and from within right um, as uh, one of the workers that I've talked to in the last couple of weeks has said you know it's not just about one labor contract like one labor contract isn't necessarily going to fix this problem right um, a series of things need to be addressed so on the one hand you do have uh, members of the labor movement who um, you know have been involved from the jump since this derailment to determine the cause of it to find the problems to continue to pressure Washington for increased public safety um, and you know um, what folks have been saying in the last 10 minutes is correct. You know, there's already 
seven or eight lawsuits that have already been filed against Norfolk Southern since the derailment from members of the community on behalf of members of the community, including one that I think is a class action lawsuit. So we're already seeing civil litigation happening in the town. Um, and we're also, um, you know, we're seeing what the results of, uh, you know, a continued pressure campaign has had, you know, has had on, on the folks in Washington. And I think uh, all of this is really kind of what we're going to see moving forward. And really, this is the only way that we can kind of move forward and continuing to address the crumbling infrastructure of this country, right? Um, and continue to pressure Biden, who also styles himself as a pro-labor president, who has yet to show the labor movement that he is that, right? Uh, this is, again, another opportunity for the Biden administration to kind of be leaders on this. It remains to be seen if they'll actually do Obviously, it didn't really happen last year with the rail contract and the way the Biden administration blocked those negotiations at the end. Um, you know, so uh, we'll see what happens. Right. Um, hopefully. And, you know, I'm an optimistic kind of person and, and I really choose to, to look at this with um, the, the, the silver lining, if, if I can, you know, that this hopefully is a wake up call for regulators and is a wake up call for communities across the country, much like the pandemic was a wake up call for a lot of folks. Um, you know, uh, hopefully this means that we see continued sustained pressure on our government to actually do their job. Right. And to not to be the type of people who uh, continue to just take money from these interests but to actually do something, anything, to uh, listen to their constituents, right, the people who put them in power in the first place. So um, it's truly, and I say this uh, with the deepest sympathy for the folks in East Palestine, that um, it should not have taken a tragedy like this, like any of the things that happened with the rail industry or infrastructure. It should not have taken something like this to get folks with the power to do something to pay attention, you know, um, and hopefully that, you know, continues to be something that we can kind of hammer home in the weeks to months and years to come, because God forbid we're going to be seeing the, the fallout of this for, for quite some time. 90 seconds, they belong to you. Sure. So I think we're going to see a bunch more of these in part because approximately 22 million Americans live within two miles of a Superfund site, which means they're at massive risk. And if you add that to climate change, you're going to see a lot of 100-year storms or 50-year storms or, or various sort of weather events and other events that might destabilize those communities. Right. And so I think this is something that's not going to be a one-off. I certainly hope it is, but I'm not so sure. And I think we also have to ask some difficult questions about our regulations. And people have to ask if, for instance, this community seems to have voted to deregulate everything and for politicians to set up the conditions for the derailment. So we can look at just the incident, and that's important, or we can look at all the decisions that enabled that incident. And if you voted for all the conditions that destabilized the incident, then it's just happenstance it's you today. And so maybe we have to start thinking about how we vote and what decisions we make as a group of people because we will be collectively responsible because that train could have gone off the rails anywhere on its route. Just sort of happenstance that it's there.
It could be your neighborhood, right? And we have large concentrations, large neighborhoods in Superfund sites or adjacent to them. I mean, I think famously the Fifth Ward in East Houston that have many more people just in the neighborhood than all of this town. So there's a lot of people at risk, 21 million. Right. And so this is a national emergency and it's been there a long time. And I'm, I'm sure nobody who listens to your show will be utterly shocked and befuddled to know that where people live adjacent to dangerous rail lines and road lines, super fun sites, those people are uniformly lower income and disproportionately people of color. 